Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 40. Today, I brought my friend uh, Sarah Mormon on for an interesting conversation about ooh, sexual harassment and misconduct in the fitness industry. We got really deep into that one. This one gets nasty. Um, she is setting up a really awesome women's only event, the Women's Strength Summit, and some of the hurdles she's encountered there and some of the dumb shit that some guys have gotten on with in response to that. We actually get into our origin story. We don't do a lot of origin stories on the podcast, but this is a really cool one. So check this out. We also talk about the pressures within the fitness industry for trainers to look a certain way. That's kind of challenging. Uh, depression, how that's a taboo topic and exploring fitness professionals talking about that in their media and some of Sarah's core guiding philosophy, something actionable for our listeners to take away. Stick around. This is a really fun one and it should set some hair on fire. Shut up and sit down. All right, guys, we are live. Well, not really. You'll be hearing this after we recorded it. <laughs> so today, uh, yeah, well, before I get into that, I'm Andrew, uh, Andrew Coates. If you're not used to my voice, Guido, Dean Guido across from me. Say hey. something, Dean. Hey, how's it going? So if you're not used to hearing us, hopefully you can tell which one is which. I generally am more serious. He's more goofy, so you'll figure that out. <laughs> today, we actually want to challenge our listeners to think both within the fitness realm and in some areas adjacent and affecting our industry with our guest, Sarah Mormon. So Sarah is a Washington State-based fitness professional. Uh, she's behind the website, www.strengthinscience.com. You can find her on her Instagram handle, at Sarah. Uh, and Sarah is a powerlifter and figure competitor, in addition to her work as a coach. Uh, and she holds a Bachelor of Science in Toxicology, which kind of sounds interesting. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we can go into the first question. Uh, our podcast is known for skipping past origin stories uh, most of our guests a lot of them appear on a lot of podcasts people have heard it before um they're, they're chronicled extensively it's easy to find that stuff they become kind of tired and constantly telling the guests skip bored they hate it but in your case i feel like actually it's a great chance for our listeners to hear one of these great origin stories i don't know if you've ever been able to tell it before on a podcast um, but how you got involved in coaching others um it's too easy to forget that our physiques and our lives can be very unrelatable to a lot of everyday people, people who might consider coaching with us. And I think it's really grounding for people to actually hear kind of where we came from. So you interested yeah. in sharing that story? Yeah. So um, I actually started powerlifting and uh, training for it when I was 13. And uh, I didn't start competing until I was 14. And uh, the reason why I got into it so early is because both my parents compete. My dad did a couple bodybuilding shows. My mom, though, was the main competitor, which is kind of interesting back then. Uh, they're pushing 55, 60 years old, respectively. So back then, it was very, very male-dominated, as you can imagine. And to have my mom be the sole competitor for majority of the time in my family was really interesting and exciting. <laughs> but... Uh, so she was the one, and she was the reason why I got into competing in the first place. I wanted to grow up to be big and strong like my mom, and uh, so that started with powerlifting. I was powerlifting all the way through high school and uh, through college. In college, I helped manage the Western Washington University Weightlifting Club, which kind of encompassed both strongman powerlifting and bodybuilding for a hot minute. But I also helped organize a lot of the powerlifting meets there. 
And then after college, I continued to compete. And shortly after college, I I dipped my toes into bodybuilding. And um, I really enjoyed it. So I continued bodybuilding for a couple years. I haven't competed in bodybuilding for about a year and a half, but I'm coming up on a show in September. So I'm really excited about that. But uh, so I grew up in the bodybuilding and powerlifting community. (laughs) Yeah, so I've seen it change and morph over the years. And I have a really uh, unique experience in which my whole family is really, really absurdly fit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into the sports in the first place. But uh, with my own success and mostly coaching myself, I became more interested in learning how everything worked and finding out the more efficient way to become stronger, leaner, healthier. And I really started to apply my experience with science and getting my Bachelor of Science in Toxicology and learning more about evidence-based fitness. And being able to read a scientific study is a skill. And I really had a big experience with that in college and I was able to apply that with my fitness and a lot of people found my advice helpful so I finally had one woman who asked me to coach her for just macro coaching for a bit I did that for free for about a year and then I began charging for other women who are interested in having me as their coach you sound like lane norton's story there if anyone's ever heard it <laughs> lane started out <laughs> doing this kind of stuff for free and went uh, when to do it there's obviously a lot more to that story but yeah now go on keep keep telling us well so how did I you mean, build it? so it's it's been an interesting ride um i've only coached women so far i just re- even today actually i just got an inquiry from a man who wanted me to help him with his strength coaching, which is really exciting because I think it's really, it does, it's really, really rare to have a man approach a woman for coaching. Hmm. And uh, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, we totally can. But um, No, let's do, let's do that because it, our audience is going to figure out pretty quickly that exciting, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go into some places here that might be a little fun. So fire away. Uh, <laughs> So why do you think that is? Why do you think that men are often reluctant to approach uh, women coaches? Um, I think one of the biggest reasons is there's just this stigma that maybe women don't know as much as men do about fitness and strength and hypertrophy type training. Maybe women know more about cardio-based training. Uh, Maybe women know more about yoga or Zumba. And I think that's, it's, blatantly sexist (laughs) but I think there's a lot of just like internal uh feelings about um going to a woman trainer as a as a man going to a woman trainer and receiving advice in a male dominated community from a woman um I think a lot of it has to do with reconciling their masculinity um, and again, I'm, I'm completely out of my own lane. I'm just making assumptions off of what I've had with other conversations with men, but um, trying to reconcile their masculinity as being a man in the fitness industry and receiving advice from a woman. Do you think that this whole realm of like, we'll call it evidence-based, but do you think that that might change it? Because then it, I guess it, it's kind of gender neutral in the sense that like the evidence is still the evidence. And if you know science like you do, like, it shouldn't fucking matter. Like, science is science. Like, have you found that that's helped, that part of it? 
I absolutely think it, it does because it's no longer just me going off of my experiences as a woman competitor. It's me drawing from my own experiences, but also from what I have read, what I have studied, what I've been taught. Which is sick, which is how it should be. Like if we all go down it, it's, it's kind of interesting too. Cause like how long have you been like full on coaching like powerlifters? Cause you've been coaching women, but like how many years let's say. Um, so I've been coaching powerlifting for about a year and a half. Yeah. And you've had one guy. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah. I think it also depends on the realm that you're into. Like, yeah. like Dean, te- Dean's a powerlifter by, you know, history. Uh, I've never competed as a powerlifter. There's never been an area of my interest or expertise. Uh, mm-hmm. I certainly don't coach powerlifting. So <clears throat> I, I work in the general pop realm. And I think that with, within a lot of the general pop stuff, you're going to see more men comfortable being coached by women. And we see that a lot. But I can see possibly in the strength realm, traditionally I know in powerlifting, the the overabundance of the coaches that are well-known are men up to this point. Well, and you even, said male-dominated. I'm hoping we're going to start seeing that change well, a little bit. And that's what will be interesting to see, that shift. Just because like some of the women, well, the last fucking two years, they've been just smashing all the records. And it's even when I look at powerlifting like six years ago when I was going into it, like there were some women doing it. It was A lot of it was in multi-plag year. But now yeah. you get like you get like literally chicks like at this point a lot of the females are outlifting a lot of the males in a lot of it and I think that they're making a resurgence and just in the sport the whole idea of there it was all men is not even the case anymore like I, I see more it's, women actually powerlifting here we're seeing tons and tons of women getting involved because it's yeah. becoming really accessible yeah yeah that's so awesome yeah in in, a, in like a totally good way so it's kind of interesting because I think that there'll be more. Well, the hope is that that kind of barrier should be knocked down. It, it should just be a matter of like, are you a good fucking coach? And we're seeing more yeah. and more uh, great female coaches and competitors who are bringing more attention to this sport. We've had a few guests on who wander into these realms. Uh, Holly Baxter's done our podcast. Holly's really great, uh, both as a both as a aesthetic competitor, and now I know she's doing a lot of powerlifting stuff on her social media. So he Lee has done that stuff. She's been on. She's actually our top downloading podcast episode of all time, which is nuts. Um, we had Sarah Ashman on. She's another evidence-based fitness professional. Does it, not so much in the competition side, but it, I, I think you know Sarah because Sarah and I actually oh, were talking. Amazing. in Kansas I have a City huge and, girl crush on her. <laughs> oh, she's, she's super. So we've got some really cool uh, women who are growing in prominence. They're strong in the evidence-based side of our industry, and and they're bringing you know certainly competition to more and more women as well. I only see this going in that direction. I think there are some people who are really fighting and pushing hard in that direction. And, and that's generally speaking a good thing. Uh, yeah. And then, you know what, there probably is some resistance from certain corners. I, I don't know if I see it too, too much. Maybe those corners are getting quieter. I think those people need to kind of grow up and, and fuck off and, and just, <laughs> just <laughs> embrace the fact that these sports are growing. And just like we saw the rise of kind of the bikini uh, category within bodybuilding and a lot of the purists are grumbling, like, ah, it's bullshit or whatever. The reality is it's actually growing the sport the base of people who are gaining access to it so as opposed to you know female bodybuilding which you know there's some stigma attached to that one that one's a little controversial but they seem to be phasing oh, that out absolutely didn't didn't mpc get rid of a women's category of bodybuilding because it was it was too masculine and it wasn't like it wasn't people like women weren't signing up for the uh the section anymore mm-hmm. the class anymore because <clears throat> There's so much stigma attached to women looking masculine. 
And that's a that's a murky mess and a half to even like. Was that, go that, was, into on, it. that was on Generation Iron too, wasn't it? I think that I, I that's where I it. saw it. I, I suspect there's some talk about that. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know where to begin with that whole conversation. But one of the things <laughs> that one of the things that I have long felt, and it's it's sort of a dodgy thing though, is when you have female fitness competitors who are visibly and obviously using performance enhancing drugs loudly claiming to be natural that can, the other end too. that can be dangerous and it, there's a double standard in where and i always use the example well if Ar- arnold has admitted steroid use but at some point you know arnold or his contemporaries are saying oh i'm all natural and then a legion of young guys are like oh cool fuck i can do that too that's totally right. attainable and they get into the gym and they start lifting weights which is really goddamn good for them that's awesome but when you ha- have someone who, and I don't like saying names, but there's one particularly fucking gator and I can't say her fucking haircut. And I hate it when girls have the same stupid haircut in the gym and it drives me goddamn bananas. And you, anyone who's listening could probably figure this shit no. out. Who claims the fuck she's natural. Don't say the name. I don't know. And, okay, good. And, I'm trying to find out what haircut. And it's a stupid fucking haircut. What's the haircut? It's a stupid haircut. <laughs> but that's, she knows. And, you know, this, this is someone who is visibly on a whole bunch of stuff, ranting right. and raving how natural she is. And while I know that inspires a few people, I think that sort of message is like, oh my God, women, they don't rush to the barbells. They kind of rush away from going, oh, I don't want to look like that. And that can do a bit of harm. And of course, yes, these images of very large, and and you said it, masculine looking female bodybuilders can do some harm in steering women away from something that is very good for their health long term. So that's the only issue I kind of see with that stuff. Beyond that, to each their own. If you want to pursue something, I absolutely did, support it. Did I tell it. you? You're gonna, this is why. This is him. He goes off on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate that stupid haircut. Okay. I want. Let's actually talk. Like, yeah. Because we... <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about this event you're organizing, or then you have organized. But you were organizing a women's only event, the Women's Strength Summit. This has gotten some interesting responses on your social media. Could you kind of explain that event? And why it was so important for you to organize, and some of the less than, less than thoughtful responses you received on it, just because it's let's let's hear it out. It's good shit. Yeah. So um, the Women's Strength Only event, uh, the Women's Strength Summit. Uh, I'm really excited about this because, as we all know, strength sports in general are male dominated generally. Not only just in participation, but in showcasing the events. A lot of the videos and pictures are of men and their great feats of strength, which I'm not saying we shouldn't be showcasing them, but we should be showcasing more of the underrepresented populations. And so I, born out of a <laughs> internet conflict with a well-known um powerlifting equipment company. Again, I won't name names because I don't want to bring up old drama. They have since apologized and we have moved forward. But um, coming from that conflict, Maria Rodriguez, she is a brilliant woman of color who owns Fear Her Fight Athletics. She founded this this company to um, promote and showcase women of color and women in these strength sports. So she has um, done some work at USAPL competitions. She's done some workshops on being a woman of color, owning her own business, and starting her own business. She is amazing. Um, You can find her information on my Instagram because she, after talking with her, she and I uh, wanted to 
collaborate and work together. And uh, one of those collaborations came this Strength Summit. Uh, as you can probably agree with, a lot of the fitness conferences in the country, in the U.S. country at least, happen a lot uh, on the East Coast or uh, the central part of the uh, the country. And so there isn't a lot that happens in the Pacific Northwest in particular. So Except the Jim Arts Inland Empire Fitness Summit where I met you. Except for Tim's event, which I'm super excited about, but that was that that's the only one that I could really think of that was happening in the Pacific Northwest. And so we wanted to kind of bring more to the Pacific Northwest and we wanted to pioneer a women's focused event. Uh, so by women, what we were targeting demographic wise is women, women of color and athletes who identify as women as well as LB LBGTQ women, because that's also an underrepresented demographic within the fitness industry. So we wanted to create a space for people to participate and to help normalize their presence. So by having this all-day event, we have been working, actually, I can't say we, Maria has done so much work in recruiting these speakers for this event. I'm so excited and I'm so happy for her because she has been really successful at doing this. Uh, she recruited uh, Chakira Holcomb, CC Holcomb. She's an amazing woman of color who is a badass strong powerlifter. We also recruited Dana Snow of USAPL. She is the USAPL Washington State Chairman. She's also a gay woman. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, did you ever reach out to Chucky Welsh? Do you know who Chucky is? Yes, I did reach out. She did not respond, uh, unfortunately. I think she might be a little too out of our reach, popularity-wise. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, we're still in the like beginning stages of creating this yearly event mm. that we can't really uh, pay to have people yeah. flying yeah. over yet. But that is something I really want to make happen. Chucky is <laughs> epically awesome badass. Amazing. Like she's cool. Well, and actually, let's yeah. talk about this a little bit. So, like, new event, like, like you said, you bring up costs and all that stuff. And, and this was yeah. kind of interesting just because we have a lot of fitness professionals listening to it and people who are, like, don't understand how these conferences work. Like, what kind of struggles do you deal with trying to get something like this off the ground, especially something that is, we'll call it niche, but something that is so different from what, like you said, it has been out there? Yeah. So, um, like location wise, we Maria luckily has a connection with a Tacoma gym, a large Tacoma gym. And so they're going to lend us their facility for the day, which is fantastic. We started generating some ticket sales for the event. We also just reached out to a ton of different companies hoping for some kind of sponsorship, whether that was through like coupons for their products, like I reached out to Enlightened Ice Cream, and um, I think she reached out. I reached out to Quest Nutrition as well. She reached out to Girl Clothing, which is that uh, feminist forward uh, athletic company by Courtney Olson, um, and they're going to be sponsoring the event. So we really had to reach out and ask for a lot of just, we need your help in like just making this first event exciting so next year we can actually help maybe make some kind of, uh, I don't know, incentive to bring people in from across the country and more exciting speakers. And I'm not saying that the speakers that we have right now aren't, aren't exciting, but the ones that are a little out of reach at the moment um, require some 
uh, compensation. I've got a couple of contacts and friends down in the Seattle area. Actually, we'll talk afterwards, and I got some ideas, and maybe some people I can link you up with, or at least pursue. So, yeah, um, that I got some cool ideas there. But go on. Cool. Yeah. So um, we we kind of lucked out with uh, some of our just contacts and. Um, bringing in people that we happen to know either personally or people who we know are local, so we don't have to pay to have them flown out, et cetera, housing them, feeding them. So, um, but yeah, I'm really excited. We have a diverse set of speakers. We have uh, a yoga instructor who has been studying and uh, teaching yoga for years. Again, we have Dana Snow from USAPL. We have uh, Cece Holcomb, who's gonna come in and talk about uh, powerlifting. And then um, I'm going to be doing a talk on bodybuilding and how to reconcile the sport with body positivity. And let's touch on the less than thoughtful responses. <laughs> Just yeah. to navigate that one. The, 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 the meninist type shit about guys saying crap like, well, we should have a men's only event, that kind of nonsense. And guys like yeah. grow up and get over that, that stupid shit, seriously. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've gotten quite a few responses personally from uh, a lot of men who wanted to either downplay the significance of this event or belittle the event by making jokes about how they need to create a men's-only event or how, hey, like, I'm going to create a men's-only event because you guys are having your own event and I'm not invited, and I'm going to throw a tantrum about it. <laughs> and, like, that's literally how it comes across. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, that's – who cares? Like, have your own men's event, but, like, is it actually because it's in response to Because then that's where the problem comes in. It's like, fucking, oh, who cares? Uh, it, no, absolutely. Oh, no. Oh. I'll sort of say this. I, I want to say this very carefully. Like, it's like a lot of guys go around and wave the flag and they say they're feminists and that's all. I would never categorize myself as a feminist. And yet I'm very, very firm in my belief that like it should be nothing but positivity and support for women and in, in, in these sort of ventures. Like, I just, I don't like the label feminist for me personally. I find okay. some guys that run around with that label. I don't necessarily trust why they're using that label well, a little bit. Yeah. That's another thing. Um, I fucking lost my point. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it's, for for me, it was it was the whole idea behind like the nitpicky bullshit. So like it's the back and forth when like that wasn't why this was created to start an argument. It was created out of not even a necessity, but an idea that you wanted to do that had nothing to do with the other end of the spectrum. And that's where this assumptions come in on the other side. It's like, well, you're doing this to do this. It's like, well, no, I actually just wanted to support this community. Like, yeah, no, assume- absolutely. I think there's a lot of um, just. Not even, not even assumptions. I think just men get upset that they can't be a part of something when men are usually the, the centerpiece and the focus of all these strength events. Yes. Like, let's be honest. A lot, because it's a male dominated sport, a lot of the articles, a lot of the studies, a lot of the information is tailored towards men. So to have an event that happens to be women focused or transgender focused or, you know, women of color focused, it makes men feel like they're being left out. And I, I kind of just, I have a hard time explaining to them, it's not about you though. <laughs> it's about us. And it's about empowering those who are not focused on at all. Well, now I get my point. It's like, and you said this, there's already been tons of these events and type things that have been 
basically, even if they weren't said to say this is men exclusive, they've ended up largely that way. And guys, you have tons of this fucking shit, right? Yeah. And I, I don't think the guys who are saying this sort of crap really care. I think they just need to fight this, this, the feminist ideas that are coming out of this thing because they're threatened by this. Stuff. Well, and like, honestly, have you had anyone that's actually upset because they wanted to go or have you just met people who are trolls essentially? Like, have you had a conversation with someone who's like, oh, I would love to see these women well, speak? It's, or is it just like, literally, it's, they're just it's tit for tat two, shit? It's 2018. Uh, yeah, I think it is anyway. Um, just put on, <laughs> a, put on a dress and go for it. Like, you know, like the rules. But like, have you had them. those conversations? Like, maybe, like, if you really want to go, I guess, like, whatever. But Well, so I've had, I think, I think I've had, literally, I can count on one hand, the men who have expressed genuine interest to yeah. wanting to come and see these women speak. Andrew, you are one of them, so I really appreciate it for <laughs> making one of the five. <laughs> but um, I'll know the majority of it has been just this sense of entitlement and yeah. saying, yeah. Uh, well, we should be there or we should have a men's only event in like almost retaliation yeah. to the fact that women are having a women's only event. Um, and... I think what I what I've been trying to get across to some of these men is, you know, it's different if our women's only event inspired you to want to have a men's only event and have yeah. some kind of inclusionary event where help where you're bringing in men who are um, underrepresented upper, underrepresented in the sports such as like small men or men of color or gay men or transgender men athletes. I think that's very different compared to. The, um, the like spiteful comments of, well, I'm going to have a men's only event because in response to the women's only event. Uh, these guys are being. And would you identify this more as like, and this, it's like a women's strength somewhat, but it's more about underrepresentation, essentially. It's kind of like the whole basis of it. And that's where on the men's side of things, like I, I would, I'll go out on a limb and say, I don't think that's the case. There's no underrepresentation in a lot of the conferences we've been at. So, I mean, like, that's what it's about. I think that that's what's missed, I would assume, in these arguments, is that it's about underrepresentation. So yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> like, I, I, can, I can use the example of, I've gone to a number of these conferences, and I felt like the one that you and I met at uh, Tim's event, I, I know he wanted to have a few more female speakers. Um, I know that we had Megan Calloway present there. but it's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and Megan's amazing. We've had her on the podcast, too. I, I know he wanted to, to shift it a little bit more, but... I know that the attendance was actually like, it, I don't know if it was 50-50, but it seemed like there was a, a ton of women in attendance at that one, which I thought was really good. I've been at a bunch of events and these events are generally speaking organized by people who tend to be very socially liberally minded. And we've seen heavily skewed towards men. There was one event that I went to in the Pacific Northwest, loved the event yeah. Zero female presenters. And I believe there was an attempt to get a few. Just they were none. There was about 20 guys. Uh, yeah. And it was predominantly male attendees as well, which was sort of surprising. And again, it is what it is. Fine. Uh, there's a, an event that is highly left-leaning in terms of a lot of its core base uh, that I remember, not this year, but last year. There was one black guy there out of almost 200 people, <laughs> my buddy Luther. And Luther's Love awesome. Luther. Love Luther. You met Luther this year. But yeah, he was the only black guy there the whole time. And uh, and then someone, and as one of the speakers pointed that out, and that seemed very, very strange. So I think that <laughs> yeah. sometimes these events aren't accessing or aren't drawing in people from you know other backgrounds, I suppose. 
So I guess these are complex issues that go far beyond our ability to probably flesh out in uh, in an hour long podcast. But right. <laughs> I, I think that the start is exactly what you're doing. Like, and again, and we've always been about even bringing in underrepresented guests, but it's just like, that's where the gold is. Like these things need to happen so that people can see that underrepresentation is wrong because there's a lot of sh- shit that they're missing out on essentially. So when you bring these females and this event gets big, then you give that platform a place to live and grow and those people to have a place. And I think that someone has to fucking do it. Yeah. So why not us? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hit, hit the next one. Let's do uh, this. Yeah. So let's, let's go further because let's hope like everybody doesn't think I've gone totally social justice left on all this stuff. Don't, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but we're going there. Uh, I've seen far too much. This one is something that drives me fucking crazy. Um, I've seen far too much sexual harassment and misconduct uh, in a former workplace uh, managers, staff, towards other staff, clients, members. Uh, there's pervasive member harassment of staff and other members. Uh, this is just stuff that drives me crazy to think about. Uh, most of it was extensively known, uh, almost always ignored, tolerated, deliberately swept under the rug. Uh, attempts to address this went nowhere. Uh, I guess there needs to be a question in all of this. How big yeah. a problem do you feel this all is uh, in our industry? Do you feel it's a factor that keeps women from attending gyms in large numbers? And what should people do when they witness this behavior or experience it? Um, Let's start with how big a problem do you feel it is? Yeah. um, Yeah, this is a hard one. Um, It's hard because I've experienced a lot of it myself. I experienced a lot of it. Um, I experienced a lot of it in high school. I experienced a lot of it in college and, um, into my adult life. And I experienced it as recently as today. Like, so sexual harassment is very, very prominent. And, um, I think one of the, like, I I don't want to say exciting because the me too movement is nothing. It's not exciting. It's just, uh, it's remarkable that finally a lot of women and, um, and victims of sexual harassment are feeling comfortable enough to speak out against it. But, um, yeah, I think it's very, very rampant in the fitness industry in particular. And a lot of it is in the realm of blurred lines. And it kind of goes back to that dumbass hit blurred lines but it, it really is. I, so if you're seeing sexual harassment, um, it's uh, that's that's a rare occurrence because it, it is typically most sexual harassment is not typically overt. Um, most sexual harassment is odious and subtle, um, and could happen over the course of months, sometimes even years, and sometimes you don't even really know it's sexual harassment until just one day it finally crosses a line for you. And then you're like, wow, yeah, it's been kind of leading up to this point for a while. But I myself did not feel comfortable enough to speak up when I felt uncomfortable. Um, I Or it wasn't over enough to bring attention to it in a way. Um, but, uh, you know, I as a lot of people say, reports go nowhere. So another problem with this is women and victims of sexual harassment don't feel comfortable reporting the issue is the biggest part. Once they finally get over that hurdle of working up the courage and guts to report the issue, it goes nowhere. The offender doesn't get any kind of, um, 
a reprimand. It doesn't, isn't talked to about their behavior. And now it's just kind of shown a spotlight on the issue. It makes everyone uncomfortable and it makes the victim even more vulnerable. So it kind of just becomes this mentality of suck it up, buttercup, and that just won't fly anymore. So um, my, I actually have a question for you, Andrew. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you do when you saw sexual harassment? Well, I saw a, a, a ton of it, and it's like, I'll probably share a bunch, and this will get kind of interesting, but I witnessed... There was a group of older men at my gym, and I had open conflict with these guys. Uh, they fought back by lying about me, which, that's fine. I never went anywhere. But they would catcall, hiss at members, uh, staff. It was a known thing. These guys were known predators in that gym. One guy grabbed one of the trainer's hair in a way that what? she didn't appreciate. Yeah, grabbed her hair from behind. No, this oh. is a good story. Listen, you got to hear this. This shit's going to piss you off. So then she made it very clear to him not to do that again. He did it again within a couple of weeks. I witnessed it, so I did report it as well. We both reported it. Uh-huh. A manager sat these guys, this one guy down, wouldn't tell us what was discussed, and there was no consequence for him. So then a friend of theirs <clears throat> walked up behind this female staff member who had complained, put yeah. his hands on her, like, like obliques rubbed his hands up and down her obliques and then turn and she turned and he went oh was that too much or something like that so of course that anyway so well i went to the manager (laughs) it was discussed again the manager said oh it's not related to the the other complaint nothing happened these guys and i saw on this company's social media feed an awards night for members where one of these harassers was honored with an award for attendance. So I hope you guys can see Sarah's face and expression right now. This is the kind of shit I dealt with. Multiple managers. One manager was there. He would message late at night staff members. I've seen the screenshot. I've seen the texts. Inviting them to come over and do cocaine with him when his fiancee wasn't around. Um, I've seen a different manager say things that were just awkwardly inappropriate to female staff. He specifically in front of me made a comment about a girl that I was briefly dating this few years ago, how she was visiting the gym. She was a trainer. And I'd said that, yeah, he noticed that she was there. And I said, yeah, she's a really bright young woman. And he said with a smirk, and she's not hard on the eyes either. <laughs> In front of another manager. The other manager just put his head down. I kept pushing that one. Eventually got him removed, but not after some other shit went down. Um, The shit kept getting buried and buried. Uh, There's just so much more. If I say some more of the specific stuff, it'll be so obvious who I'm talking about. And it got frustrating because I try to support the the trainers who were, and, and members who were being harassed. And half the time, they didn't want to come forward. They didn't want to say anything. They felt just like you did, that this wasn't going to go anywhere. The times I did report things or push, things got buried or there wasn't evidence that you know could support it. And, and there was never any consequence for it. And eventually, because I was agitating against some of the other things that were going on in the facility, including some of this harassment stuff, but also multi-level marketing recruitment, 
then lies and accusations were starting to be thrown around about me. I posted one of them today. This goes back, well, God, almost two years. And I heard it again today, how I had thrown, allegedly thrown a chair or a bench at a coworker. Now, of course, because that, that was all on camera. And of course, that wouldn't have gotten me fired in an instant. Of course, it never happened, but it was a lie made up to try to get me fired, to get me mm-hmm. out of this environment where I was trying to push for, you know, changes to the system. So, yeah. unfortunately, one of the things I had to do is I had to pick up and leave. Yeah. I took my business and I left because, you know, I was appalled by what I was seeing and systematically this shit was just continuing to go on. And these things are very known. And yet, yeah. you know, it just heads in the sand and it, it got frustrating. I tr- really tried to stick up for, you know, people where I could, but, you know, yeah. even I felt powerless. Right. And so, yeah. you know, what so I've done. But you can only ever- imagine what the victims felt like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's nothing compared to what the victims feel like. Right. That was still hard. That's like what you went through was still really like it, trying. It, that's it was not cool. about me. Now, that, that's not like, about me though. That's not about me. It's just, it pissed me off. I really, exactly. yeah. No, but like, yeah. So you went through all this shit. You had to pick up and leave. Now for the victims, they're the ones that actually got harassed. <laughs> So like, it's not like your situation wasn't bad, but theirs is just so much worse now because they had to face not only the fact that they were harassed, but they were also dealing with this retaliation. That's, yep. it's fucking disgusting. The the best part is the girl I stuck up for with the sexual harassment was the one who lied about the chair throwing to try to get what? me fired. God, God damn it. <laughs> so, but, I just own her. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, there's lots of shit going on. There's a lot of shit there. So, but, uh, no, but way better um, I mean, so one of your other questions going back to your questions was, uh, you know, what could you do? What can mm. you know people do if they witness this yeah. stuff? I think you did all the right things. You, mm. you listened, you believed the victims and you stuck up for them when they asked for your help. And, um, one of the, the toughest things I deal with as someone who's very vocal is whenever someone tries to tell me about something bad that happened, but then they tell me they don't want me to say anything. And um, it's it's hard because you have to, the best way you can support someone is believe them. The second best way you can support them is to carry out their wishes. And if their wishes, they don't want to pursue this any further, you have to respect that. Um, so again, uh, going back to your question, believe the victims, believe what they're telling you. Um, being a woman in the fitness industry, um, a lot of the men that I talk to about the sexism and harassment in the industry is they don't believe me. They don't think it happens as often as it does. And so that's why I've become so, uh, I guess, um, I've become so, adamant about sharing all my experiences of sexual harassment and sexism in the fitness industry because I have so many men tell me, well, that's a one-off or that's just, you know, one guy. And it's like, it's not though. It's every fucking day, every fucking day I'm dealing with some kind of sexual harassment, unless I don't leave my home. <laughs> no, <laughs> you still still, get the internet, you still get the people talking no, about the fitness summer. You're, you're still <laughs> getting this shit on Instagram. How many, how many <laughs> DMs, how many DMs, inappropriate DMs have you had this week? Oh, this week? I don't know. But yeah, like exactly. today, today than, I had one more. that I was dealing with yeah. and I was, you know, I, I, part of me being vocal and part of me fighting against this is trying to rectify it and try to battle with that person when I have the energy for it. And well, I think a lot of it comes down to it. And 
I don't think that, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think a lot of men are trying not to believe it, but I think it's one of those, like, I need to see it to believe it thing, and I guess that whatever, like, it's fucking clearly obvious that it happens, but I think that that's where a lot of their brains get stuck, because it's like anything with science or something, like, tell me the fucking facts and all that stuff, and people look for that, but I think that, I guess, being vocal about it is the best way without trying to have a personal conversation with every fucking man in the world, is that the more this happens, the more that maybe they can break out of that cycle of, oh, it actually is fucking happening. Because, like, your story is not much different from pretty much every other woman. Not every other woman, but, like, multiple instances. Like, I could ask my wife. It's probably not something where it's a one-off. And I would say yeah. most women agree with that. I, I can't Crap speak for them, but... that I hear, I've even seen locally in this city, drives me crazy. I'll give you a couple examples. <laughs> More? Just let's couple. leave the one gym out of it. Is it not no. the gym? Okay, go. Oh, this is different. This is different. So, there's a prominent trainer. He was coaching... A girl that I know, and I guess a month into it, he started trying to like hook up with her, right? And of course, she was pissed off and demanded her money back. So, like, this is a sort of entitlement, and we see this sometimes with male bikini coaches who are trying to hook up with the female clients. I've seen a lot of it. And then a weird one: a good friend of mine was was telling me that another local trainer, guy I've heard of, he, he's got this like kind of holistic woo type bullshit going on, and he was, and she sent me the screenshots of this stuff. That he was asking her for nudes, right? Just like pushing and pushing and asking for nudes from her. And it's like, and he didn't know her. This is not like something where it was like potentially like conversations that went on to the point where maybe it was like semi-appropriate. That's like, what on fucking earth are you guys thinking, asking or doing this kind of shit? And this crap is everywhere. And there's no fucking wonder why so many women are hesitant. You talk about like men and women like men approaching women to coach them but like i'm surprised that women are even comfortable you know having male coaches at this point with some of the crap that's floating around there and these motherfuckers are actually making it worse for all of us so i hate this crap and you know what if you're a listener of this stuff and you like what we're doing but you've caught yourself creeping across that line you know what get back on the right side of that line fast because this shit isn't going to look good on you if it gets out in the air because we hear about this stuff Anyway, I know like heavy, serious stuff and everybody listening is going to be like, holy fuck. But you know what? This stuff actually does need to be talked about because no one wants well, to. It's one of those things where like I don't have those stories because I don't – I'm just not – I don't have them from people, which is good. Like I don't surround yeah. myself with those people, but I don't honestly disbelieve any of it. Like it ha- it's one of those things where I think that the viewpoint now, well, it's moving towards like, okay, it's happening, but it's still shitty that you have to have Me Too movements to even pro- prove that it's fucking happening. But yeah. I think that – we just have to be better. Well, men just have to be something fucking retards, but I mean, like, I just <laughs> yeah, don't see it. So I don't see it personally. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, okay I, I'm, with- I'm one of those people that I don't like generalized statements either. And I think we got to be better than the generalized statement that, you know, and like, of course people say, oh, not all men. Well, that shit gets tone deaf too. But I always, when I see people making blanket statements as well, I always like, guys, we don't need to do that either. Like, we need to deal with the people who actually demonstratively are doing the bad things, but do not paint everybody with the same brush. If I uh, see it, I'll really just call important. it out, and yeah. then I'll just raise better children. That's like my... <laughs> <laughs> that's anyway, yeah. if anybody's left listening, uh, maybe we should go at us about more directly fitness-related stuff. So, what do we got? Good. <laughs> well, you got lots, apparently. <laughs> um, how prevalent... I guess, are the pressures within the fitness industry for trainers to look a certain way? Um, just kind of how rampant are body body image issues in a population often driven to have the ultimate physique? Like, where do those problems lie? And what's kind of your viewpoint on all of it? 
Oh man. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't be asking this question unless it was, it was very, very rampant, but uh, <laughs> it's very, I mean, it's, it, I think it's one of the um, hardest things to reconcile in fitness in general. And I think we're still really, really far from finding any kind of acceptance towards um, athletes who don't fit that box or that mold. Um, and I need to preface this with saying that, you know, growing up in a bodybuilding family <laughs> has also warped my own perceptions of people and my own body. Um, I, I struggled a lot with my own body and being a powerlifter and not being a particularly lean powerlifter for most of my powerlifting career. Um, and it wasn't until I got into bodybuilding that I started to you know, look like an athlete. And I say that, you know, look like an athlete because judging by societal standards and what the media promotes as an athletic body is one that is muscular, but lean and for women has a tiny waist and big butt, you know, whatever. And, um, I think for men, it's equally a big problem. You aren't a, uh, athlete or you're not a strong man unless you look that part and that part is you have big muscles you have abs whatever and so I think it's a big problem and especially for people who are overweight and they compete it I see it a lot where people will devalue an overweight athlete uh, athletes accomplishments or their lifts because they don't look that part I, I would almost say, say that for females. Like I've seen it. I haven't seen many of the, like the we'll call it overweight males, but they're not calling out the fucking three hundred pound guys for squatting a thousand pounds. But I've heard I've seen some shit on some of the females. So that, that's a whole double standard. I've got a couple of thoughts here. And first of all, you know, for people listening, if you want to relate it to something like you know, we're up here in Canada and you're the Pacific Northwest, hockey's kind of a big thing. Just look at the kind of crap that a guy like Phil Kessel gets for not visibly being in the kind of shape that some of these other guys do. And he's always sort of taken heat and abuse for years over supposedly not caring as much. And so there's a good example of, of this, uh, you know, in, yeah. in a major sport. I really, whenever someone criticizes, I work in a gym that has a lot of powerlifters and there are powerlifters who are in widely different, you know, physical shape. And occasionally someone might make a comment about, you know, some of the powerlifters being, you know, visibly obese. And my reply to that always is this. It is one of the least judgmental sports and then one of the most accessible sports to someone who is overweight. It can be somewhere where they can be a part of it. They could excel at it and do really well at, versus some of the other sports that just simply may not be very accessible to them. Like teams, like imagine someone who's overweight trying to go out and play soccer. That might not really work as well as someone who well, gets just not to, accessible. Cause so but what it can do is it can get them into being physically active and mm -hmm. you, what you're seeing is a place right now, but you're not seeing where they started, where they're going. So it's really important to reserve judgment in those cases. It is definitely a net positive for that person. It's probably something that's really good for their emotional well-being. So try to reserve your judgments on stuff like that. Yes, we know that there are a few people in the powerlifting realm that use powerlifting as an excuse to really not well, do anything with well, diet. Let's talk on that. But like, what, what, let's actually talk on that. Like, what are your viewpoints on that? So, and I'm, I'm just going to generalize it, like the donuts and deadlifts movement, like whatever, same company. But do you think that there's a problem with people getting into powerlifting to kind of reinforce 
the ideology of not trying to change or like the whole, like kind of what are your viewpoints on the body love mixed in with powerlifting kind of, and people shame that and all that shit. Like where does that all live and fit? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I want to start by saying that, you know, anything about your appearance should not be used to devalue you as a person, Yeah. Yep. your achievements, your success, um, or your goals. So if someone wants to get into powerlifting as a way to, um, and again, we're making a lot of assumptions yeah, here, absolutely. but if we, like if we want to assume someone's getting into powerlifting only to be, uh, you know, eating donuts all the time and not worry about their nutrition and just lift heavy shit, why does it fucking matter? That's Let them true. do their own shit. Yeah. What it has no effect on me? It has no mm-hmm. effect on you. Why does it fucking matter? That's true. And that's the reason why I ask is because that's, that's usually what people will say on the outside. Like I've seen it fucking happen. Like, Oh, they're just fucking want to go eat donuts and all that shit. And like, not your fucking problem. Really knows. Yeah. Like maybe that's not, maybe they actually just, yeah. Well, even, even just the way that I, I approach that, someone could misinterpret that as actually saying that very thing. And it's, I know that that's there. And I think it's at least worth taking a good hard look at to make sure that someone isn't using it as a way to legitimize genuine eating disorder behavior, but yeah. your point still stands that it really shouldn't be our concern what anyone is doing and right. it doesn't affect well, and how I, or me or anyone else. How I view it, if like if I like literally thought that someone was going down that path and again, making judgments, but I just wouldn't support it. I also wouldn't go call it out either. I just wouldn't be like, oh, the best thing to do when you work out is fucking eat 12 donuts. <laughs> like that's my role oh. in it because like literally I don't, I don't care unless it's someone that has asked me like, hey... But if it's someone who's going to eat 12 donuts or they're going to eat 12 donuts and work out, guess what? The working out is still better than the alternative. So at least it's a step in the right direction. And maybe they're around an environment where they'll hit a point where they decide, okay, you know, I'm going to change something about this. But sometimes donuts are good. Yeah, nothing wrong with oh, donuts in moderation. <laughs> Especially like for whatever reason. And like I've been in the powerlifting world is like sometimes like in the middle of the workout, like it just helps. <laughs> So let's sugar man. You're like, I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah, like that's the best thing I could possibly fucking eat right now. Let's go back. There must be a reason why. Let's go back to what you think about, you know, the pressure for fitness industry trainers to look a certain way. What are your thoughts on that particular point? Um, that it's present and that I think we need to not necessarily ignore it because or like ignore uh, physiques and ignore appearances because there are people who they take a lot of pride and value in their appearance and that's okay. It's just that, you know, your body is your body and it's how we move through, through the world and it should not be used against you. So if you want to be like proud of your body and you want to support other people who are excited about their body, great. But it should never be from a place of negativity. It should never be like, oh, I um, I don't think you look good enough or you're too fat to be lifting or whatever. It it should be it should come from a place of support and positivity. Well, I think that some of the trainers almost internalize those thoughts on themselves because like yeah. that's that whole internal pressure. And I think that that's kind of mm-hmm. that whole feedback loop we want people to get out of. We in one of our older episodes, um, our, our good friend uh, Hannah Gray, 
So Hannah talked about this exact thing and her experience on her journey in weight loss as a trainer. And Hannah's a brilliant trainer. Um, mm-hmm. If some, maybe some of our audience has heard Hannah. Hannah actually is is very close with Dean Somerset, who's another former guest of ours. She coaches with Dean. So these guys are really, really, they have some good thoughts on this particular point. But something that I always say to newer trainers uh, or any trainer who is really not as busy as they want to be. Like, mm-hmm. First of all, I think that the whole idea that what you look like as a trainer doesn't matter and shouldn't matter, I think that I, uh, thought in isolation is a very naive thought to take. I, what I th- believe is important to recognize is this. If you do want to be busy, if you do want to succeed, and you are, quote, visibly out of shape as a trainer, that can be fine, but you could potentially be doing you could do something that's the realistic nature that's a realistic thing is if you want to be busier it is human nature people no matter how well intentioned may judge what you appear to look like we would like for people to evaluate us based on our knowledge and our abilities and our past successes but if you as a trainer reject this as being important you're being naive it is going to probably help you to also look a certain way if you want to attract more clientele if you're struggling it might not be the worst idea to put some effort into that. And I, it's tough to say, and some people might even balk at that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, well, it's not a necessity, but at the same time, like the industry will dictate a certain thing, right or wrong. It's like, I'm not going to go personally. I'm not going to go to a lawyer who has a shitty oversized suit. And, and if, like, you're right, not, <laughs> if you're not more than adequate in some kind of aspect of fitness, whether it's your diet or your training, no one's going to go to you for that. Yeah. They'll have That's judgments. Bad. Like, your brain looks at people and, like, it, it's fucking studied, but, like, it'll make a judgment without even knowing, and, like, that's why they won't go to you. It, it affects business. Yeah. Right or wrong, yeah. like, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, maybe you'll yeah. tap into some unfucking known market where everyone's going to flood to you. Good. Like, fucking, I'm just not going to risk it, personally. But I also, <laughs> like, that's my viewpoint. Yeah. Um, I suppose another one of the things that you and I actually talked a lot about, uh, as we started talking more, um, depression has long been a taboo topic uh, to openly discuss. And yet, of recent, it seems like that wall's been breaking down, the stigma's dissipating a little bit. Uh, like I said, you and I had some recent conversations about it, uh, about down episodes that you know we can deal with as trainers. Uh, you and I have both posted on social media about recent times where you know we just struggle with some stuff. Um, do you feel like there's pressure on us to appear flawless? Uh, or are people now realizing that showing a very relatable side connects with more people? Um, I think anytime that you can be genuine and anytime you can be authentic, you're going to attract more people because um, being perfect, having the perfect life or whatever you consider to be perfect in that case is not exactly exciting. And it also just seems very unattainable. unattainable. So for people to look at us and to see that, yeah, we struggle with, you know, mental health issues or emotional issues, or we struggle with our diet too, or we are struggling with training too. It, it just makes it relatable. It makes people realize that you are human too, that you, um, you are, cause you know, you, you go online and you'll see people be like, Oh my God, your physique is goals. Or, Oh my God, your squat is goals. But to be able to show your full self is, um, it makes it more realistic for them. It, it makes it more attainable. So, um, and I think a big part of that whole topic of depression and mental health too is just, you know, we put so much time 
and effort into our physiques, into our lifts. You know, it only makes sense that we should put enough time and effort into our brains. <laughs> like it's just as, or if not more important because our brain and our mental health is associated with our motivation, our drive, our consistency. Um, and if you can't take care of that aspect of yourself, the, the rest around you is gonna fall apart. Oh, I, I love brain shit. <laughs> I think that a, I, I think that a lot of people. Um, uh, I don't. Should I get into this? I don't know. I think a lot of people go through life without having to realize what's going on around them, and I call that the rat race. But it's that whole idea of yeah, people don't use their brains; they let their brain work on automatic. And it's kind of once you start to see other people, let's just say, tell their story, that's when they can relate, and then they start asking themselves questions, which will maybe make them make a change. Um, and you're not going to help everyone, but I think that they're. I've noticed the more that I become what we'll call it relatable, but start saying the shit that's on my brain, other people are going to be able to kind of come to their own conclusions in a different way, but that's how you can help as trainers. And that's my advice, like be honest, because everyone can everyone can read fake. Your brain knows fake. Like you can look at someone's post and be like, you know something's wrong with this because your brain fucking knows they're full of shit. Well, I always, yeah. I, I openly talk about this and I notice anybody's social media feed that seems really curated and, and crafted and, yeah. and just doesn't seem real. It's like, this is bullshit. I'm, I'm not in yeah. for this. And I, I think something else too for a lot of our listeners and a lot of our trainers as well. We've met a lot of people in this industry. I've seen a lot of people around the industry. There are a lot of people who are putting up this image that they're very successful, that things are going really well on their social media. And that is an illusion that is mm-hmm. not what's really going on. And they're struggling too. And, and, and that's not to say there's a judgment there, but. I think there's something to be said for being really authentic. Well, yeah, well, I think that, and this is my opinion, but I think that the people that are doing those things, they're trying to play on people's desires to make a change so much that they're willing to ignore the EBGBs they get about that bullshit. And they're just, I think it's just predatory in my, like that's, and so I think that you will be able to live with yourself and be more successful in the end if you're not a fucking loser sorry <laughs> well if you're not lying lying you lie we'll say lying you're lying yeah like you if you are trying to portray something that is other than reality you're straight up lying absolutely and that's nothing i personally want to follow is a liar so i think um being open about our struggles and also being open about you know what has helped us overcome those struggles mm. is really um I mean, because we're a lot of us are in this business to help people. I would like to think that most of us are in this business to help people. And part of helping people is letting them know, you know, how you overcame whatever obstacle was going on in your life. And so, like, for me, I'm very open about telling people that I sought out therapy and it was life changing. I cannot recommend enough seeing a therapist. I feel like everyone should make time and the money to see a therapist at least once in their life. Even if life is going great, just to just to have everything, you know, laid out and analyzed and to have a third party to just talk things through because um, it's just been so helpful for me. But also be, to be honest and open about medication. You know, part of my whole shtick on being evidence based is also believing in medication. And I believe medication can also be life changing. And so I think we also need more people to be. Uh, honest about that. It's that way it normalizes it because right now I still feel like there's a lot of stigma. And I think, you know, even like the memes that go around saying like, oh, the only therapy I need is iron therapy. And it's like, well, okay, go fuck yourself. That's not going to work for everybody. (laughs) 
It's not scientific. I thought you were going to say... Oh, there's probably some science in there. I thought you were going to say those memes, and I hate these things. Usually it's David Avocado Wolf type crap, where it's like a picture of a forest, and then the the picture of the the meds, and they're saying, oh, walking through nature is like antidepressant, and the meds are bad. Like, no, guys, like some people genuinely need their medication. I think it's overprescribed in a lot of cases. But, uh, you know, that's a whole different conversation I am not qualified to talk on. So, <laughs> Actually, don't be a fucking liar because you're just going to attract people you don't want to deal with anyways. Like, yeah. I don't know. All but, right. Do the book one. No, 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 no. We, we want to get this one because. Oh, yeah, yeah. Co- need, core guiding we- philosophies. So, like, what are your core philosophies within our industry? Kind of as you help your clients who work with you and then how do you basically interacting with your following? What are those core things for you? Uh, so the first one is definitely evidence-based fitness. I, again, I really truly believe in the science and the research done on various fitness topics, whether it's nutrition or different types of training and trying to uh, utilize that to help people reach their goals. Because, you know, growing up <laughs> back, you know, in the bodybuilding community and powerlifting community where it was a lot of bro science. I saw a lot of different types of failures. And so um, the the best way that you can try to help people is using stuff that is proven to help. And um, so if you can take these, the, the research, if you can take the studies and um, find out what's actually proven to help, you're going to help those people reach their goals uh, faster and more efficiently <laughs> and then a higher success rate overall. So, um, the other part of it, um, related to evidence-based fitness and that philosophy is lifestyle changes. A lot of the research that's being done is also on sustainability on this stuff and what will actually be sustainable for people. So, um, my, one of my things with my clients is trying to really figure out what their current lifestyle is and to uh, find out what what changes they can make today that they think they can sustain for the rest of their lives. And I, I don't mean that ironically. Like if you can make a change today that you can confidently say you can sustain for the rest of your life, that's fantastic. Let's try it. And who knows? Maybe that'll change next year. And you say, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to take this change to the next step because I've become comfortable and I've become, it's become routine to implement this change that we started a year ago. Um, one of my girlfriends told me um, the quote, let's try not to boil the ocean. And I love it because, you know, try all these people who are saying, okay, I'm going to start lifting six days a week and I'm going to start a vegan diet of like 1600 calories a day and I'm going to track everything and blah, 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 blah. It's too much. <laughs> and then you see them crash and burn and they're like, why did I fail? And it's like, because you took on too much change that you're not willing to uh, carry out and really hold steady to for a long period of time. So, um, yeah, evidence-based fitness, um, sustainability. Um, and then I like to promote partnership when working with my clients. I, I, uh, (laughs) I'm only 28, but, um, I'm old enough to know that I know very little. (laughs) And, um, so I feel like, yes, I come 
to my clients with a certain type of expertise, knowledge, and experience level, but nobody knows their body better than they do because it's their body. It's what they experience and live with every single day. So I, I take our coaching um, together as a partnership. They, they come to me with the expertise of their own limits, their own body, and their own lifestyle, and I try to help guide them the best way I can with my knowledge and research and um, experience. So I try to see it as like a partnership, like a teamwork to help achieve their goals. Not necessarily I'm this like higher being that knows everything and then they're my little pawn and they must do everything I say. <laughs> so you, you, you probably could back it up by science anyways. Like here's some research papers. I do fucking know. We should, we, we should hook her up with Just that. Your, you'd be the person to do it. We should hook her up with our, um, our good friend Alfred Jong. He was our third podcast episode ever and of course we'd ask him like what he likes to do for fun and he'd talk about how he'd read research papers and kept getting mad at him for like alfred fuck off with the research papers already but uh, <laughs> we're like what do you like this will be your next question we're like what books do you read like, well i just read research papers like no what fucking books do you read like, i don't care so what we always do every guest that uh, if anyone can tell sarah really actually prepared for this episode we always script these things and She's actually been. Man, don't tell them the secrets. We don't script shit. Yeah, everybody knows that we script shit. Um, no, Sarah actually really was excited to come on here, and we were really excited to bring you on. So we'll uh, we'll see what book you came up with that you feel would really benefit our listeners. Like, I was going to say research personally paper. or professionally. <laughs> I was going to say. That. <laughs> Fuck. No, it's fine. Were you actually going to say a research paper? No. Okay, good. I was no, like, oh my god. So um. I do have. I did have a backup just in case, actually. So I um, am currently going through the latest uh, mass issue by Greg Knuckles. I <laughs> fucking love those issues. I uh, highly recommend them because uh, he is so good at culminating all these great uh, recent articles and um, either uh, paraphrasing them or putting them in his own words and kind of drawing some conclusions off them. You'll, but, be, uh, you'll be happy to hear Greg is scheduled. To appear with us in a couple of weeks. Okay, so everybody, by the time you're listening to this, you'll get Greg Knuckles in probably I don't know, maybe two to three weeks. We've got. uh, You should hear what he wanted to talk about. I'll I'll bring it up after this. Anyway, but no, go on with your your go on with the article thing in a book. Yeah. So. Oh. Mass, if you aren't subscribed yet already to Greg Knuckles' Mass Issues, you should. You're missing out. But for the personal book... Oh, she's going to get one. For those who can't hear, she's, she's walking in her part. She's grabbing a book. So for the personal book, um, I um, really enjoy this one by Jen Sincero. It's called You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. I'm about to finish it. I'm like in the last five pages. But... Um, I suffer really greatly from imposter syndrome. So like coming on this podcast and even... Uh-oh. Uh-oh, hang I'm on. Fucked for me? Repeat that last sentence. It froze for a sec. Oh, bummer. Okay, so I suffer really badly from imposter syndrome. Yep. So, yep. like, the fact that you guys even, you know, offered for me to come on this podcast and talk to you guys was a huge mindfuck for me because... <laughs> I <laughs> I feel like a fraud. I feel like an, I feel like an imposter. Like I am not worthy to be like even talked to and it's really really difficult cuz I know it's full of shit. I know the voice in my head that's telling me you're not good enough, you don't know enough, you aren't experienced enough, you're not strong enough. It's full of shit. It is, but um it's a constant battle for me. So, 
Um, I was told to read this book by uh, Jen Sincero, and I really, really like it because it not only helps you pick apart a lot of your own self-doubt, but it also helps you lay out what your current goals are and what your dreams are and how to create a roadmap to that. Because I think a lot of the um, issues with imposter syndrome is you are stuck in this floundering state of uh, thinking you can't do it and you are not good enough to be able to do what you want to do. So I really like the book so far. What I found with imposter syndrome, the way I look at it is that like if you're in the spot where like you don't think you know enough and you want to get more, it's almost like the money spot to like progressing. So I just try to look at it in a positive way because it's just like literally like you can never know enough, but there's also the people who quit yeah. because they think they know enough and you're always Those trying to get better. people are fucking dangerous. <laughs> I think given a lot of our audience are trainers, I think that what you said is going to be very relatable because I think a lot of people express that. I know our good friend Patrick Umphrey, who was a guest, we actually talked about on his episode. Love Patrick. Patrick <laughs> see, everybody knows Patrick. Like Pat And Patrick and I, well, fuck, we look similar except like I'm an 80-pound bigger version of him. So... We, and he looks like a potato. You do not look like a potato. He looks like so. a potato. Um, and yeah, so we shared a meme in Jeff Snow's presentation, actually, at the event you and I read. And then Mike T. Nelson did it again, the same fucking <laughs> thing in Kansas City. So it's a running joke for a while. But um, <laughs> anyway, imposter syndrome, I think, is a very real thing. I, I've definitely had periods of time where I felt the same way. And I think that a lot of the trainers who are going to listen to this, it's probably going to be very relatable things. I think you probably feel very alone in that. And you see all these brilliant, qualified, amazing people. You can look at all the, the lineup of the guests we've had on this podcast. Holy sweet mother of God. I know. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool, huh? Now you're one of them. And I think at the same time, almost everybody on that has probably really battled this. So, you know, for the newer, younger trainers, people who are just getting your foot in the door in the industry, when you feel like you don't have all the answers, trust me, you are not alone. Yeah. And it's a sign that you care. It's a sign that you're passionate. You're on the right track. You know, the fact you're listening to this, I think you're doing something really good if you've made it to the end of this uh, this very uh, interesting podcast, which I've enjoyed thoroughly. But um, I, I always like to grab, you know, a lot of the listeners are probably hearing us for the first time. They're going to think I'm probably a complete lunatic. That's fine. But if they liked what you had to say, and they really, especially if they're interested in the evidence-based stuff, like I said, we got Greg Knuckles coming up, but you know, two of the guys who presented at the event you and I were at in Spokane, Brad Dieter and James Krieger, we had them both recently on separate episodes. These are really amazing guys. They're two of our, they downloaded really well. People love them. If you guys want to check out more of what we've done, go check that out. If you're looking for some really strong, you know, female, uh, messages about some of the industry stuff you can go back to kelly coffee's episode we had so he lee's episode is really lee sensational Peel. lee peels is probably i know you love lee lee's great megan calloway we've got a lot of really great stuff in there and we're, we got stuff that i think everybody's going to appreciate so you guys if you like this we'd love it if you checked out at least one more if you like that you know you can go on itunes give us a five-star rating or subscribe to our podcast because we're trying to bring a lot of really great people on and I guess we just got one more thing to cover. Hey, where can we find you? Where can we find... Well, I, I already know it's at Soul Sarah, but you're going to tell us anyways. So yeah, I just tagged you so, in a picture. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, recently launched a new website, um, strengthinscience.com. Um, I will be using that to not only help... Uh, get people to contact me for coaching, but I will be showcasing and rewriting some of my um, articles that I wrote on just like 
calculating your own macros, what if it fits your macros is all about, and just you know finding a diet that is sustainable, and then also going into um, a guide to your first powerlifting meet. If you've got newbies who want something to read, um, I have that guide up, and then I also have a guide to your first bodybuilding show because I feel like there's a lot of little details <laughs> about bodybuilding that you really don't know unless you have a friend who's in the sport who's willing to uh, – give you the down low, like a bikini bite. I didn't know that was a thing when I first competed, but thank God for bikini bite. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Neither do I. It's okay. I don't want to know. Nope. Okay, I can't well, relate. I probably can't relate. So, and that's why we have the bodybuilding guy. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So my strength and And then I also have Instagram, which I'm very, uh, responsive on. I'm under swole Sarah and then I also have a Facebook, but it's not as um, – I'm not as quick on that as I am on Instagram. Yeah, you, right. she hit the 10K. She, she She's got the swipe up she that got Dean swipe is up. willing to literally sell his soul I don't his care anymore. products for. So. <laughs> I don't care anymore. No you one gives a put, fuck about me. Eventually you'll get there. I'm nowhere close. I gave up, so I don't really care too much. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate this. Guys, I really hope you enjoyed this. And uh, hang out because next week we should be having Brian Cron join us. We had to push him back a week. He wasn't feeling so hot. So we'll have him in a week. Cool. See you guys. Shut up and sit down.